there are events that test our mettle and our resolve. As we move through this crisis, how are we coping, adapting, fighting on? Join us for local stories of perseverance, creativity, and contributing to community as we showcase Detroit area leaders who share their thoughts and stories and discuss how they and their organizations are managing adversity and serving others. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward and Metro Detroiters who are pivoting, evolving, and moving ahead. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward, I'm John Gay. The Dumas Shells Auction House is a Detroit institution. Since 1927, the family business has handled auctions for rare antiques and art and established a reputation as one of the best businesses of its kind in the country. Located on Jefferson Avenue across from the Renaissance Center, Dumas Shells has hosted auctions in its gallery for decades, as well as online. Collectors around the world trust Dumas Shells to appraise works and handle all parts of auctions, but when the pandemic hit, everything had to move online. Third-generation general manager and veteran of Antiques Roadshow, Bob Dumoschel, is my guest today. Welcome, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Let me start just kind of in broad terms here, Bob. Generally, how do you take a 100-year-old business and adapt in the age of COVID? Well, I, I guess uh, best I could describe it, uh, we were listening and we started having meetings. So there was a state shutdown at one point. And prior to that, there was a lot of precursors and and signs for quick and dramatic change. Uh, the first thing we did in these meetings is, is um, did basically good, better, best scenarios mm -hmm. and or worst case scenarios, maybe we'll, <laughs> worse, fair and, you know, survivable. Uh, I might have to, you know, take that approach because we did worst case scenario. How could we do all of what we do remotely? Right. We were testing out Teams, we were testing out Zoom, we were testing out products that we were hearing about that we had maybe dabbled with a little bit, but really never had an absolute necessity to potentially operate our business on. So that was, you know, considering those things, could our networks handle the video feed? Right. You know, is there a time glitching? Uh, we found some of it was a little glitchy and, and when we're taking like a photo finish kind of approach, yeah. you know, from an auction scenario, uh, someone raising their hand uh, a split second or thereabouts um, before another person is considered, you know, the bid. Right. And the other person who was close has a chance to bid. And were there lags that would make that unfair or was the speed of our network and the partnership of that new software we're, we're testing out? Was there lags? Was that going to create an unfair competition? And could we rely on it? I find that fascinating because I think about in this age of COVID-19, how we've all had to adjust and learn technologies that may have been out there, but weren't necessities till now, till your point. What did you land on? Because I think there is that lag of, you know, oh, I was muted. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? And you see all those even into TV commercials now when people are on Zoom calls and you know, Skype and Teams and all those things. How did you solve that issue? Where did you land with it? Well, we um, we weren't pushed to do it absolutely, but we played around with it and actually did uh, mock auctions and trials during our regular course of business as things were shutting down, mm -hmm. as the severity of the situation was increasing. Our testing became critical, so we had to actually have a section of our um, employees run these mocks away from their traditional jobs while others had to pick up their load. Mm. to carry on business as things were shutting down. So it was 
it was a, a test of our metal. Some software was a little glitchier, but had better security, and others was a little more fluid. And we heard very open to, you know, hacking and problems. So sure. <laughs> I'm not going to do uh, go down that pipe too much. But these are all basic business concerns that we were now having to consider where a month earlier we couldn't fathom being in that position. So we were throwing it in gear. We ran a um, our first auction prior to our state shutting down where we decided it was prudent to not invite an audience. Okay. We have been online for decades. We have been doing some of what we're doing now as a you know, evolution in our business has been stronger and stronger part of our business model. But at the same time, we hadn't solely relied on it. We were still inviting customers to come here. And at one point, we had to make that decision where it was best for the safety of our customers and our staff to ask them to stay at home and try uh, these portals that we've been Mm -hmm. using to had thrown one, a third one into the mix um, that we were looking at in a 30, 60 day implementation. One of the groups we had been talking to, we chose them and asked them to implement this within a week, and they did so. Wow. It was crazy that they actually stepped up and and attest our ability to work with a third party and their ability to work with us as all of our states were shutting down. So that that was something we put into play and closed our doors and opened up another portal, again, a a software application where there's live bidding, Mm -hmm. uh, fair and competitive, tested, but we had to integrate it within a week. (laughs) Wow, it's amazing how quickly these things change and how you have to adapt on the fly. So I know it's part of your business. You've had people come in in person and look at items outside of auctions, just look at different pieces or different things you might have there. Are you able to do that by appointment? And and as far as people who want to consign things to on both sides, whether they want to buy or they want to sell, what does that piece of the business look like? We had started doing um, virtual walkthroughs. Okay. FaceTime, Zoom, Teams. We had various people out there in the general public who were familiar with this software, not that software, had an Apple product, didn't have an Apple product. So we, again, were, from a technology standpoint, willing to work. And we had been testing some of these products ourselves. So we unknowingly were preparing ourselves for another evolution of our business to cross-platform, be invited into people's homes virtually. Mm Mm-hmm. I also learned it's hard to steer a camera through your voice. <laughs> uh, no, your other right. Nope, the object behind that object over to your left. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I've never been a, uh, I don't know if that'd be a director, <laughs> you know, because my eyes in our business I gravitate towards the things I know to be of value and gravitate away from the things I know not to be of value and curiosities, things I'm on familiar with that are very unique stand out as an item of interest what is that when was that made who made that what is that you know in the backstory and and that's just something that has developed over time but when you have someone else who loves these things because that was my aunt gertrude's and this was i bought (laughs) on a trip in hawaii and whatever they have a different eye and a different reason it's in their collection. And we're trying to communicate across this platform where I can't just turn my head and look at it. You may be looking at the same things, but you're not seeing the same things. Yeah, I, I once dislocated my shoulder and had to brush my teeth with my left 
hand and it seemed about as awkward, you know, I, again, adapting, pushing ourselves to try to work with others and try these things out. We also have had some customers that had no access to that, were unfamiliar with that, and we had to defer them and push them to a later date, which has been a lot of people's business around the country, from what I understand, is we'll get back to you when we feel the, the state regulations will allow us to. Right. If they're not able to adapt and use that technology, you're just going to have to wait for the safety of everybody involved. Right. And they may have a, a son, a daughter, grandson, granddaughter who does have that technology, but many people were were pulling back from their own relatives. So that was a trick. Uh, we did have some people who had sold homes and needed to be out within a certain period of time when we felt that the state regulations suited where we could maybe view things. We had people moving things into a garage. You know, I did a few of those where, you know, I'm alone in the garage and they're sitting out on, uh, you know, lawn chairs, watching me kind of at a distance, look through things that would never be in their garage prior to that. (laughs) Just sort of appraising things and seeing what might be of value to sell. Right. And the crazy part of our business interest rates dropped and homes that have been on the market were selling. And whether it was reduced price point or interest rate, suddenly people were in a situation where they needed to be out in a certain period of time because the closing date, that was interesting. I bet. Bob, how else has the pandemic affected the day-to-day operations of Dumochelles? We have not been in as many homes as we traditionally would be in. So sure, we have been doing a version of curbside So people have purchased online or we're still doing our traditional via telephone Mm -hmm. absentee bidding. You know, how do we get these items to people, uh, you know, open our doors uh, to a curbside, you know, mask and sanitizer before and after. Sure. You know, using gloves, wrapping, putting things into the hands of shippers Mm -hmm. because shippers were able to load trucks, at least in this load and unload and delivery services. Of course. Um, So we utilized a lot more of that, which we had companies checking with the state of Michigan to verify that they were, were not able to. And we worked with the city of Detroit as well. And and we're following the rules and regulations as they were presented and questioning them. And and we we were finding a lot of um, the rules. Uh, We had to back down our business process. And when they opened up, we were clearing it with the you know, known authorities around us where we felt they were comfortable, we were comfortable, we were going to introduce another level of openness to our business. So, and that turned into where people were pulling up and dropping things off. I had heard in Italy that people were trying on clothing and if they didn't buy it, that clothing went into a quarantine for 72 hours. Uh, We Uh did have some things that were dropped off that we, we let sit for 72 or more hours before we actually were examining them, giving receipts that we'd received them, but waiting. Right. We're again, trying to be safe ourselves and safe with those people around us. So, I mean, this is unusual. Of course. Any particular items uh, that stick out in your mind that have been interesting that you've come into in the last month or two? Yeah, we have a collection of Albrecht Durer woodcuts and etchings that he was producing between the... um, 15th and 16th century. Oh, wow. And these works, uh, a gentleman had been thinking of bringing them to the market for quite some time and did a curbside drop off. And we 
had fun researching. It gives, you know, it's nice to do what we do. It gives us where everyone's at home, either um, working from home. This is something that we can do this sort of research and it's fun to have objects that require research in a time where it is nice to have a little time to do so because these are fun objects, age old, um, require patience and, um, and study. Got it. What kind of feedback have you received from your customers with all these different changes to the business model and way you're doing things? The general public, I would say everyone's doing their best that I can see a lot of people who like to physically see items, hold items. That's frustrating because yeah. it's hard to buy solely by pictures, but we've tried to up our game there and provide access. I mean, we did uh, have some customers where we actually set things in our windows that they were particularly interested in. Hmm. And for a 48-hour period, we set windows for particular people who were interested in X number of objects. We put those in a window, let them know which window it was, and they could at their leisure, you know, pull up and see them either, you know, through the windows of their cars or actually come up to the storefront windows. Again, very unusual, you know, that sort of, because we're we're a part of a, a business that favors customer service. You know, we've always tried to address our customer service needs and address them with uh, new techniques of doing that. And, and we're human. We make mistakes, but we've been calling these learning opportunities. <laughs> I think we're all kind of figuring it out as we go. Has social media helped you at all in terms of the business? That's sort of something we've been doing prior to this. Okay. Uh, we have tried to step it up. Mm-hmm. We're in a business where the things that we provide to people are, you know, art, they're decorative, they're, you know, uh, human interest, historical. I mean, best thing I can do to try to be proactive for, you know, uh, the society in the time of struggle is provide things that maybe um, take us to a different time and a different place. And what were they thinking and their struggles? I mean, the you know, the 14th and 15th centuries, you know, plagues in Europe, they, they right. were producing art back then. Imagine the piece of paper, what it took to create a piece of paper. You couldn't go over to Staples or the local <laughs> art supply to even get the paper that these things were produced on and, and to find watermarks on these things. It, we find it interesting and we certainly hope that the people were appealing to also are of interest and know that these people made it through hard times then and still were expressing their feelings in, in, in a various art forms that, that we're able to provide that sort of uh, experience and hope that they made it through that, we can make it through this. I love that you can kind of look at those things from different times with the context and through the perspective of where we are today. Uh, while I have you, Bob, where can people find you on social media? Well, you know, Dumo Art is kind of a, um, a name. It's, you know, Duma Shells, but we've kind of adapted a... Um, what we felt people could spell. <laughs> that's, you have to do that. And, you, and that's the website as well too, right? Yes. Uh, you can find us under either, but uh, we found early on in the, the expansion of the internet that uh, people had a tough time spelling to Michelle. So we, we adapted that and we've expanded that through uh, Dumo Art and Dumo Shells. So we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Bob Dumochelle, thank you so much for the time today and best of luck going forward. Thank you. And thank you for providing, again, a positive forum for people to share and bring uh, ideas and hope. 
Michigan Motors Forward is produced by Jag and Detroit Podcasts in partnership with Tanner Friedman Strategic Communications. Subscribe for free on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found.